Are you ready to take your leadership in your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate their leadership approach, evolve their organizations, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here is your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. Today, our topic is the art of building better leaders. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We help elevate the quality of leadership across the world and work with those leaders to co-create a thriving future. Our work includes working with leaders in managing disruption by developing strategies to transform themselves and the organizations to meet the changes they're currently facing. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on how innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also a fellow with the International Leadership Association. With me in today's show is Deke Copenhaver. Deke serves as the principal of Copenhaver Consulting and is the Forbes book author of The Changemaker, The Art of Building Better Leadership. Deke has also been recognized numerous times by Georgia Trends Magazine as one of the 100 most influential Georgians. So effective leadership insists on constant rejection of the status quo. True leaders demand continuous reflection and improvement of those around them, and even more importantly, of themselves. Today, Deke joins the show to discuss how leaders can be change makers in business, government, and their families to make a difference in the world. So, Deke, thank you so much for joining us today. Morning. Let's start with. Uh, thank you so much for having me. So let's start with give our listeners a little bit more about your background before we jump into the conversation about change makers. Well, it's interesting. I was actually born in Montreal, Canada, moved to Augusta when I was four years old, um, graduated from high school here, wanted to be a journalist growing up, wanted to major in English at the University of Georgia. My father wanted me to major in business. So what do you do? You do what your dad wants you to do. And I majored in business. <laughs> Ended up getting my degree from Augusta University in political science, which I thought I would never use. Went into banking, then real estate and development, then ran a nonprofit land conservation organization for four years, and then served as mayor for nine. Um, Since leaving office, I've formed my own consulting firm, and I was a radio show host on a call-in radio show for a year. And now I've published my first book last year with Forbes. So I still tell people I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to be when I grow up. Well, and you talk about breaking the status quo. So that's certainly your career trajectory speaks to your continued evolution. It, it absolutely does. And I've really, my circuitous path on my career has been based on the fact that I've always kind of seen a need and gone where the need is. When I moved back to Augusta from after having a career in real estate development, I thought things here in my hometown were great until I saw what was happening politically. So I I grew up never wanting to be mayor. Obviously, as I say, I wanted to be a writer and 
now after being mayor, I'm a writer, but I, I just saw <laughs> need need for new leadership. So when our former mayor um, took another position as Southeast Regional Director for HUD, HUD in the Bush administration, the spot came available and I just decided I needed to run for it. And if we have time, I would love to come back to what what causes you to make that kind of shift. But let's start with your book. You're talking about change makers. How do you define change maker? I, I define somebody that's a change maker, somebody who's not afraid to take a leap of faith in the service of a good cause. And I will say when I first decided to run for mayor, I was told, well, why would you want to get mixed up in all that? Because you, you don't have to. You know, you, you've got a good job as a successful nonprofit executive. But I said, basically, if, if everybody has that attitude, nothing's ever going to change. And I was told that I, I wouldn't get 6% of the vote, that I had no chance. But here again, going against the status quo, challenging the status quo is what change makers do. And if nobody challenges the status quo, there's no innovation. And so you stepped up then as the candidate of change? Pretty much so. It's uh, My first campaign slogan was a refreshing change. But, it, but it's interesting, I will say, that I'm, you and I discussed before coming on air, I never went negative. I never talked bad about my opponents. And actually, my first year that I ran, I was 37 years old. And we had a ragtag group of 20 and 30-something-year-olds who knew nothing about running a political campaign. But there was so much energy and enthusiasm around the campaign that people really coalesced around it because it was so different from any other political campaign they had seen. And thus, that was the refreshing change. So whether it's business, government, families, or other contexts, you say ineffective leadership fails to bring people together. So what is the first step? Because we are certainly seeing across the the board, so this isn't a political statement, but we are seeing a level of divisiveness that interferes with us effectively implementing any range of policy. So what do you see as the first step to correcting that? Well, to, to me, you have to realize that I, I see society, I see businesses, I see governments as generally, or at least the people governments serve, there's a bell curve. And in general, most of the people are in the middle of the bell curve, whether it's in your business, it's in your government or in the citizenry, but all we see in the media are the extremes of politics and and the extreme media too. So I always focused on governing to the middle. And I'll just tell you, I'm my the year that I ran for office, I went through a church leadership retreat. And the moderator said, in church politics, you have 3% of the people that are for everything and they're very vocal. You have 3% of the people that are against everything, they're very vocal. Then you have 12% that are for, but not as vocal, 12% that are against, but not as vocal. But then you have the 70% majority in the middle that just want to see things move forward. And I think as leaders, when you start catering to the extremes and not to, you know, the silent majority, that's really what throws you off a balance. And it does it in business, it does it in governments, and it does it in families as well. 
Yeah, it is an interesting point that we are watching the divisiveness really tear families apart as well as organizations. Uh, I did an interview with uh, someone at the International Leadership Association last year. So this is probably about six month old data. And the statistic for people being willing to follow someone of a different political persuasion, I think it was something like 66% of the population would not follow someone who had different political views, which is amazingly divisive. It really is. And I talk about it in my book that, so I was raised by, my mother was a liberal Democrat, my father a conservative Republican who never voted the same way in a presidential campaign in over 40 years of marriage. So I, I tell people I was brokering, you know, peace agreements at the dinner table <laughs> from the time I was old enough to talk, which is probably why I'm happily independent and can see both sides. But that's really, that's a concern to me. And I'm, I'm sure we'll get into current events at some point, but when I, I think politically an election year for the pandemic for all the civil unrest to hit, it, it's a, it couldn't be a worse time politically because we need, whether it's government, business, anything, we need trusted leaders and trusted voices out there now helping to calm things down and bridge those gaps and bring people together. But if you're just continually trying to keep people divided so you can maintain your power base, that goes into what I describe as ineffective leadership. That's, that's not leadership really at all. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So then let's move to the seven attributes of a change maker. And really, I, I want to stay as neutral as we can on the politics. Yeah. I know you're, you are independent and I don't expect you to go off on some tangent, but for sure. our listeners, <laughs> we've got people on both sides of the aisle and yeah, I, she's, I, she's great. <laughs> And I, somebody told me one time, they said, you're politically agnostic, which is a strange thing to say about a former politician, but, but it gets to, you know, what I've identified as the seven attributes of change-making leaders, which would be creativity, courage, connecting, listening, transparency, composure, and character. And so that those attributes are not defined by a political party or a socioeconomic background. I think those are attributes that, that we can all as better leaders wanting to be better leaders can strive for. And, and they, but the, the main one <clears throat> to me is really character above anything else. And I I've shared with people that if, and I see it in politics, I see it in business that if, if I had to compromise my character, to win a political election or to get ahead in business, I, I don't want to get ahead or I don't want to win. And I think that's where we, whether it's business, it's government, it's anything else, when we've developed on, you know, across the board, this win at all cost mentality, it's that to me, my father taught me to, that you're going to lose sometimes and to be a gracious loser is as important as winning is. You know, it's interesting, again, going back to some of the research, that people assume that if you are a person of high character, you're going to lose because of your character. And yet the research suggests that that's not the case, 
that that in the long term, people of strong character, which is sound judgment and ethics and those things, tend to win and tend win either in political election or succeed longer term in business and and uh, nonprofit activities. Well, it's interesting that you should say that. So I, I think in business, and you mentioned disruption, but in business or government or communities or families, we can, it's very dangerous to d- develop a, but we've always done it this way attitude. Mm-hmm. And I and mentioned that my first campaign was not like any others and people gravitated towards it. But I, I was doing a speaking engagement. I mentioned to you earlier uh, last summer and somebody said, well, what's at the core of your book? And I said, well, it's in leadership positions, even in politics, that you can maintain your character and integrity and treat everybody with dignity and respect and still be successful. And the guy looked at me and the guy lives here in Augusta. So he was here for nine years of being mayor. He said, well, I can't wait to read it because I, I don't think that's possible. But what I've realized, too, so many people read my book. And it's a sad situation because they've said it's not at all what I thought it was going to be because naturally, I guess they think that a former politician writing a book, it's going to be on politics and not on leadership. And unfortunately, in today's world, people, when I was growing up, there were political leaders in both parties that were statesmen that I looked Mm -hmm. up to. But now people just don't associate politics and leadership those two concepts don't go together in people's minds, which is very sad. Well, and especially as we're in the U.S., and we do have lead, uh, listeners globally, but in the U.S. as we're coming up on an election, do we as the electorate even place that as one of our criteria? And I'm going to shift and make sure we hit the next question before break and not trying to deflect on on the political thing, because I know you and I could have a whole long conversation on that. To to me, character should matter in everything. And we give it Mm -hmm. a pass sometimes in politics. Sometimes we give it a pass for, you know, very successful leaders in business that get ahead by, you know, they're not high character, but they're high net worth. And so somehow that makes it all right. And to me, character is such an important trait. And it's something that my father taught me. My father flew B-17 bombers in World War II and taught me to treat the, you know, about honor, integrity, duty, and service above self. So these are all things that to, to my mind, they're sort of the things that the principles that the country was founded upon. Well, and it would, it seems that those principles are as required or more so now, especially in times of disruption, where we're looking to our leaders across the board from business, nonprofit, government, the church, the the spiritual sector. We look to all of them to set the tone. And in many cases, certainly not all cases, we have brilliant high quality leaders around each of those. And yet the ones who are um, unethical have get the spotlight. So it looks like we're surrounded by um, 
poor quality rather than well, the good one. And it, it is, but I had a discussion with a friend of mine that used to work. He was our city administrator while I was in office. I talked to him yesterday about what you're doing with the Innovative Leadership Institute. And I've connected with people over the past year around the world that have common sensibilities, that want to see people work together and do better. But I've really, I think it's got to start at the grassroots level. But but what most good leaders might be doing now and coalescing around this idea of we need to come together, unfortunately, that's not the headline on the news. You know, it's heartening to hear your comments because I do believe if we looked, did a survey across organizations, most people are highly principled, want the right thing to happen. They may need to learn a little bit more here or there to to make better decisions. But the people I interact with, for the most part, are really high quality people I'm, and high quality I'm, leaders. No, I agree completely. And that's that's really, I, it's like with the situation with civil unrest around racial issues, I was discussing with a friend of mine the other day that I think most people want to see an end to racism. But I also understand that and, and want peace in our country and in other countries. But mm-hmm. there are people that profit off of chaos that don't want to see situations yeah. resolved and those people mm-hmm. are out there, but I think basically what I've tried to do with, through the book and I've tried to do it locally is I'm, I'm trying to connect as many people around a platform to have those conversations as possible. And I tell people, I think I'm just an old hippie at heart. I'm like trying to unite the tribes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a perfect note to go on break with. So for our listeners, the, the question as we go on break is, who would you like to connect with each of our listeners that would help bring more peace and prosperity in your life? And Deke and I will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. 
To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. Today, we're talking to Deke Copenhaver about the art of building better leaders. So, Deke, let's jump into the second segment. The topic is change makers in a crisis. What are the most effective ways that leaders can calm people who are in panic over, we say, a crisis, either the pandemic or the social justice movement or any other that's going to come after this? Really, and it goes back into one of the attributes I have of change-making leaders, it's composure. You have to keep your composure. It's, I, I tell people, I, I liken it to if I'm on an airplane and we hit turbulence and I look and I see the flight attendant's eyes are fine and they're not panicked, I'm good. But if I see panic on the face of the flight attendant, I'm starting to get nervous. So <laughs> I, I, I led the city through the Great Recession, the storm of the century, my last year in office, the ice storm. Um, but, but you have to be that calm at the center of the storm. And it, it's not easy, but it, it's interesting. So James Brown was a good friend of mine. And you, I think you have to have credibility, too. So mm-hmm. after, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. He helped quell a riot in Philadelphia. And there were riots here in the early 70s that he helped. But he had the credibility and call it street cred. But, but people in those communities trusted him as well. So it goes back into the being a trustworthy leader, focusing on that before, if you're not focused on being a trustworthy leader prior to its crisis hitting, how are you going to build that credibility in the midst of a crisis? And that's just a difficult thing to do. But I think good leadership is realizing you're looking at the big picture and it's not an immediate decision to become a good leader, but it takes time to build trust in your leadership. But then when you build that trust, it's a whole lot easier to calm people down because they trust what you're saying. And, and good information in the midst of a crisis is crucial because there is so much misinformation and disinformation out there. That's what I see with the pandemic is people are confused. You know, in, in different mm-hmm. states, you've got state, local mask orders. Sometimes they conflict with one another. And so people, there is a whole lot of confusion out there, which, which doesn't help calm the situation. So as the mayor, you talk about having crises while you were in, in that service. What did you do to stay calm or project calm? Because I imagine there were times you were saying, holy crap, what do <laughs> I, <laughs> this is not good. Yeah. You know, the, I don't know what it is, but I've always had a spirit of calm when there's chaos. Now, if I'm one of those people where uh, I get anxiety waiting to have to do something, but once you drop me in the middle of it, I've always just felt that sense of calm. 
So, and, and I think you can learn that. I mean, I, definitely, you know, holding your tongue in certain situations, learning not to, because it, it's people, you know, they, they send emails and text messages ill-advisedly. You can't do that in the middle of a crisis because, you know, in my position, I was under a media microscope all the time. But you, you have to realize that your actions have consequences, particularly when there's heightened concerns and heightened anxieties all around you. But you, but you and I think it's a spirit of service, too. I'm like, if mm-hmm. if I lose my cool and composure, it's a disservice to the people I serve because I'm only contributing to the anxiety. So it's really it's part of my service to be the one to try to be the calm at the center of the storm and to be a servant. So, so here's a question then, because we talk about the importance of authenticity and, and I heard you say you can be calm when there's a crisis. I think a lot of people, their first reaction is they're going to have the same um, red line with, Mm -hmm. Oh no, this thing has happened, whatever it is, a bombing, an, an ice storm, a tornado, any number of crises that are significant and will have a significant impact on either a community or a company. How do you balance authenticity with projecting a sense of calm and care? We're going to get through this. Well, I, I think it's to, it's interesting. I did a, um, did a TV show last fall and the host asked me about being authentic. And can you do that in politics? Because people see authenticity as a sign of weakness. Whereas I think to open yourself up is really a sign of strength as opposed to trying to close yourself off. But, but that authenticity and vulnerability in leadership positions, nobody take the situation we're in with the pandemic. I know that we'll get through it. I firmly Mm -hmm. believe that, but nobody has all the answers at this point. And so I think for leaders to, you know, to not, I mean, if you admit up front, look, things are going to change, you know, the situation is going to change. The science is going to change. So I can't give you all the answers at this point in time Mm -hmm. and, and nobody can, but, but trust me that as good information comes out, that has been vetted, I will share it with you as soon as possible. And as a, that, I think, goes a long way because it's, it's honesty. And mm-hmm. here again, realistically, in this situation, we've never been through it before. And I, mm-hmm. I hope we don't ever go through it again. But, but it's key for us to work together. And I've said it's really at the local levels, it's going to be the communities that figure out how to work together that come through this faster because it's, if you're, uh, and you know, there's a place for the federal government, but in this situation, if you're waiting for the federal government to ride in on a white horse and bail out your community, and I don't just mean financially or anything, but just hand, handle the issues that you as mm-hmm. a facing or as a business, that that's, that's not really up to the government. To me, that's up to us. Well, and and to build on that, it is for us to pull together and help one another in our communities. Absolutely. And that's I've often said that I think that real change for the better here in our country and every place 
is going to have to start at the grassroots level because it's that's where the rubber meets the road. And I'm, I've encouraged people, like, if you want to make a difference, you know, if you're a business owner, whatever, nonprofit executive or just, you know, your average man or woman on the street, consider running for office at the local level and not to do it for a career in politics. And if we had more good people at the local level and communities around the nation and around the world mm. that would offer themselves to be public servants, not politicians, you, you could really start to affect real change and that get that we have to collaborate, that, you know, government needs business and business needs government and the, our communities, our neighborhoods need both. We need both public and private investment in our communities. We, and there can be a balance of that. It shouldn't be an adversarial mm -hmm. relationship, but it's really, I, I think we can, and particularly given the situation right now being so disruptive, I think there can be some great innovations that come out of this. And I think we can, you know, if we're going to heal our nation, let's heal our communities one at a time. Well, and you hit on something that I think is so important and, and it's moving adversarial to collaboration that we don't have the resources or the time or the energy anymore for me to be working up against you. I don't care if you're in a different political party or you're competing with my business. There is so much work to be done that, that we need to transcend the, the me, you, us, them interactions where you're the bad guy. Because yeah, there are just too many issues to address. Well, and and exactly. And, you know, it, it's, and, and I hate to touch on politics again, but it is, we talked about, it's, they're divisive by nature and sometimes by design. And so if we think, you know, politicians are going to heal the nation, and there are so many people, I don't mean to knock politicians, because there are so many people out there that are serving for all the right reasons, but... I don't know that it's the responsibility of politicians to heal our nation. And I've just wrote a piece that hasn't run for Forbes recently, but I, I made the point that, you know, asking politicians to heal our nation or to heal our businesses or our families is basically like me expecting the guy that broke my jaw in a bar fight to set my jaw and think that it's going to heal. <laughs> like, it's just, I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, and I was going to say we expect our athletic heroes to do the same thing. Oh yeah, we because you know how to throw a football does not mean you should be making policy decision outside of the football no. field. No, and but but it is. I, I've always said that you know it is physically impossible to join hands and work together if all you're focused on is pointing fingers and placing blame. You know, and, and now, now is not the time for the blame game. We're no individual in this nation caused the pandemic. And right. that's one of the things that I, I have. It's and I, I go back to leadership. Good leadership is about making people feel safe, secure, included, that their voices are heard. And that's. That's what we need in every sector right now. We need good leaders mm -hmm. in business because businesses have been disrupted. My, my wife has a lifestyle center and just seeing her deal with her tenants, you know, obviously restaurants are hit so hard 
And it, it's a difficult time across the board, but we've all got to pull together. And whether it's the mm-hmm. business community, governments, it just can't be this adversarial relationship where we're trying to point fingers and place blame on one another. That that's that is absolutely, you know, counterproductive in this situation. You know, we talk about uh, a crisis creates the opportunity for change, and this kind of global crisis creates the opportunity for evolution. And in that, I am hopeful that as you talk about grassroots leaders coming together across sectors and across communities and across countries, that we have an opportunity to really reevaluate things that we all knew weren't working and make a pivot, just like we did when we all had to work, well, when those of us who could work from home got to work from home and bringing yeah. online things like telemedicine that that hospitals would have said would should have taken years and within a matter of days and weeks, they were able to stand up these operations and for patients who could see their doctors remotely got exceptional care. Well, exactly. And I'll tell you on a personal note, I began the year, my business model was basically built around speaking engagements because I didn't really want to do long-term engagements with local governments because, you know, I didn't want to spend all my time on the road. My wife wouldn't want me to do that either. But now that everything's gone virtual, I've really, and because I feel like once again, going where I see the greatest need, Local governments need a tremendous amount of help and wise counsel at this point. So I've pivoted to focus on doing virtual consulting for, for local governments and businesses and organizations and then virtual speaking engagements. But so going virtual has given me bandwidth that I haven't had. I'm dealing with people in Australia and all over the world now that I couldn't, if it was, I was having to get on a plane all the time, I couldn't do that. So, but great disruption does bring great opportunity. So before we go on break, how do leaders combat misinformation during a crisis and, and maybe any time? And it seems like we, we are all seeing a broad range of perspectives on something as simple as wear masks, yes or no. Yeah. Well, it's you've got to get ahead of it. It's during the ice storm um, that we had here my last year in office I realized that most people couldn't, didn't have access to TVs because there were power outages. So I got on mm-hmm. Twitter and got all the best and accurate information from the Georgia Power Company, from you know our local government, from the governor's office. So I got out ahead of it. So people still had their cell phones. So I, during that crisis, I was able to provide good, accurate, trustworthy information. So you just but you, you've got to get in front of it. But it, it all goes back to what we discussed. If people don't trust what you're putting out there prior to something happening, then whatever information you put out, whether it's true or not, is tainted. So we're about one minute from break. Can you give our listeners the very quick snapshot of how do you build trust? It, it just takes time. And I, I've always gone by the mindset that I trust people until you give me a reason not to. And but really, in most situations, trust is earned and it takes time and it takes work. But for any leader, it's it's really 
Um, it is what you've got to do and you've got to be willing mm-hmm. to take the time to do it. So consistency, honestly, honesty, transparency that we talked about doing what you say or yes. saying that you don't know the answer, but you've got a path forward. Yes. And consistency is key as well. So we're going to go on break now. You are with Maureen Metcalf and Deke Copenhaver, and we're talking about the art of building better leaders. And for our listeners during break, I invite you to think about who is a leader that you trust most and what are the characteristics that have caused you to believe that they are trustworthy. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. You are with Maureen Metcalf and Deke Copenhaver, and we are talking about the art of building better leaders. So, Deke, let's turn this to concrete actions people can take, and my hope is always that our listeners walk away with something they can do differently this afternoon, tomorrow, either thinking differently or behaving differently, whether they're in a leadership role or an individual contributor role, or a family member, or a soccer coach. Whatever uh, activities you engage in, how do you help people become change makers and better leaders in whatever way our listeners define leadership in their lives? Yeah, and one thing that I would say is that you're all, all of your listeners are leaders in some capacity, whether you're you know, a mother, a father, a business owner, 
whether you're a soccer coach and I've shared with people that, you know, you don't have to have a title lead and having a title does not make you a leader by any means. But, but being a leader is part of the time to me, it's doing what nobody else wants to do. And I, I would tell, I tell kids when I speak to them, I'm like, if you, if you see trash in your neighborhood, go out and pick it up. That's being a leader. I would say for your listeners, one of the focuses that my wife and I've had is just being very cognizant of the people in your community that live alone, that are shut in, that need, you know, whether they need food or, you know, anything else, we need to keep them at the forefront of our minds. And it's easy to sort of get inwardly focused in this situation. We're all in this really weird space, but look for organizations to volunteer with, which is a little different now with social distancing, but there are things that we all can do. Our local nonprofits need our help tremendously right now. They, you know, when you consider donations to nonprofits have nosedived along with the economy. So there, there are things that we can all do, but I would say really focus on your own community and look at what the needs are. And it's as simple as that. What are the needs and what can I do to help address these needs? And, and leadership in your own community is as simple as that. And I, that's, I'm hoping that, as you said, we've hit sort of a reset and realize how much, you know, our family, our friends, our jobs, our well-being, our health means in this situation. Because a lot of things we took for granted for years. And it's just, but there are people out there that really need our help right now. And as leaders, I, I believe in that's providing a service in your community at whatever that service is at this point in time is leadership. So I want to ask our listeners to take out uh, something to write on or do it on your laptop and imagine I'm going to ask Deke to tell us again the seven characteristics of change makers. And I want to invite everyone to think about where am I now and where would I like to be on those seven characteristics? And think about, again, if you are to change one thing about one action or one way you're approaching your own leadership in your life, what might that look like? So, Deke, can you run us through the seven again slowly so people can score themselves and give us a, a sentence or two about what each one is? I can, and then I'm going to give your listeners a bonus, too. Okay. Okay. So, creativity. I grew up with an arts-based education, so creative problem-solving, although you wouldn't associate that with politics, helped me every day. Courage. You, you have to have the courage to take action and to take that first step as, as far as addressing the status quo and taking that leap of faith. Connecting, no one individual, no leader can do anything alone. You have to connect with others and inspire others. I would say that the only power that leaders, true leaders should concern themselves with is the power to inspire. Listening, I talk to t- people about learning to listen without prejudice. You know, if you're going to get defensive immediately at the beginning of a conversation, the conversation's not going to go anywhere. So being a good leader is being a good listener. Transparency, that goes back to, you know, that that could be coupled with vulnerability. You you need to be 
open and honest and transparent with the people you serve, whether you're a CEO, whether you're an elected official, you know, or a parent. Composure, we discussed that pretty much in depth. That's something that that we can all use a little more of, particularly we we need to have our nerves settled a little bit during these days and good leaders help provide that settling of nerves through their composure and character, which is really the underlying principle of all the other attributes. And for the bonus, you can go to my website at deke-copenhaver.com. That's deke-copenhaver.com. And there's a change making leaders assessment test on the page. So you can check that out. Oh, and great. See, and see where you score on that. So if you were to do the same test of yourself, where I am now and where I would like to be, is there one that you're still working on? <clears throat> ah, and I'm still working on all of them. And I tell people, <laughs> I, I don't, this is not a self-help book because I'm, I'm a work in progress as everybody is. It's just an honest, you know, recounting of, of experiences I've had in my life that I've learned from. But the, the older I get, the more I realize I need to learn. And it, it's funny because I've, I've gone back, you know, I'm focused on courage. I'm, you know, supposed to be this guy that knows all these things about leadership. And I, I'm like, I need to keep referring back to my book, given the situation that we're in now, because it is scary. It's scary for everybody. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm fortunate to, you know, to be in a sound financial position right now, but my revenues to my business based on this year's model were totally zeroed out. And that's a, yeah. a scary thing to do, but it, it allowed me the situation to really lay a foundation through podcasts like this and through being proactive and doing national radio interviews and everything. I'm not, I'm not necessarily generating revenues for the content, but I'm populating my website with good, relevant, timely content. So I, I would just say I'm still a work in progress, but to your listeners, it, it's a scary time. And I would just say the same thing that we discussed. Nobody has all the answers, but just try to keep a good attitude as best you can. And for me, I just hope that everybody listening to this podcast, that you and your families are all safe and well, but, but really... Now is the time to band together, and now is the time for us all to be the best leaders that we can be. And the best human beings. You know, I, I got a message from a colleague who, who's just a highly respected, incredibly successful gentleman who, who just has missed several meetings recently. And he said, I just can't get my head in the game. I am overwhelmed with the things that are happening, and I'm not showing up the way I want to. And my response has to be, you haven't missed anything mission critical. Treat yourself with grace. And I've been having vertigo. I, I don't have a history of issues, but but this, it, it feels like that is the physical manifestation of just, it feels like things are just a little unstable. Well, and, and that goes back to, to listening and I, mm -hmm. because we're all kind of isolated at this point, but we need to talk to each other because I do the same thing. I'm like, gosh, you know, because we're sort of isolated and they say idleness is the devil's workshop, whatever. But you have time to think a little more than you may have before. 
And so all these thoughts go through your head, but realize that we're all, it doesn't matter if it's a CEO, if it's, you know, some um, just highly respected leader, they, even though that composure may be there, it is a scary time for all of us. And whatever the case may be there, we're being impacted physically and emotionally in a different way than we ever have been before. And I think part of it is it's teaching us patience, but you always want to think, or I always want to think, well, when, you know, at what point do we get through to the other side? And so that situation where we, we, there's doubt because we can't see the other side at this point. And so it, it kind of, it's disorienting. And I, I've told people sometimes it's hard to get myself or I know it's hard for people to motivate at this point. Cause you're just kind of in this limbo situation, but you just, you're going to have bad days, but just keep putting one foot forward. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just the first step and just know that you're not alone in this. And I, I feel for people with mental illness who are shut in and I, I can't imagine the toll that this is taking. And that that's to me, that's why I say, check on your neighbors. There are things you can do. And it, it's something that doing things like that, it, it gives back as much to you as it does to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our neighborhood has a socially distanced gathering. We have a park near us and people just get together on Sunday evenings and talk about the topic of the week, whether it's social justice, we've talked about racism, we've talked about the impact of prisons on um, racism on the prison population and yeah. opiate addiction and, you know, just and who can go shopping for somebody who's who's not comfortable going to the store that that sitting around when it's not 100 degrees sitting around a campfire literally <laughs> as a community really creates a sense of belonging that's very different than waving out the window at people it it does and that I'll be honest with you that is what i miss in that i so i enjoy talking, meeting new people every place and just talking to your average man or woman on the street and just having a conversation. Uh, that That's, I've always loved to talk to people and talk to people face to face and not to be able to do that at this point. I mean, you know, Skype and Zoom and all are great, but, uh, and I have you know, met new people around the world that are very cool, which, mm-hmm. but, but it is to have that human connection of being able to just see somebody's face. I saw a great story on the news last night about where a hospital to, for a couple whose baby was born premature and couldn't, they had to wear masks. And so the baby couldn't see the parent's face. So, so they developed mm. a clear mask so that the baby could see them smile and all. So that however you can get it in a social distancing situation, all, but, but here again, going back to leadership, you know, if you don't have one in your community doing that, think about starting one to, to benefit your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are all kinds of actions. So, Deke, we're at four minutes to close, and I want to make sure people, again, get your website and any other contact information. And please spell out your name clearly. So, again, especially people who for whom English may not be a first language, we need to make sure they can find you. Yes, I will. It's... Deke, D-E-K-E, 
Copenhaver, C-O-P-E-N-H-A-V-E-R. So my website is deke-copenhaver.com. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So I'm very easy to find. I think I'm the only Deke Copenhaver I've ever come across in the world. But <laughs> the book is called The Changemaker, The Art of Building Better Leaders. Um, published by Forbes. It's done really, really well. And I, I hope people will take an opportunity to pick it up. And I, I just, it's, it's connected all over the globe, but I think it speaks a common language of common sense. And in a time where we need to be thinking about common sense and decency and kindness. Absolutely. And that, that's, that, that costs you nothing. And Kindness is at a premium right now, and that's kindness and compassion. It's just something that the world needs so much of now, and it does not, you know, here again, I'll tell you a funny story. I know we only have two minutes left, but I, so I had, anyways, it's not what most people expect it to be. The book isn't, somebody said it's you walking around naked for nine chapters, which basically is what it is, but I think that's why people connect, because it's open and honest. Thank you. So I'm going to read the seven attributes again. Creativity, courage, connecting, listening, transparency, composure, and character. And for our listeners, I do invite you to go back to that list. Select one where you have a gap between where you are and where you would like to be. For leaders right now, making that personal change is the precursor to making organizational change. So I really do encourage you, like Deke and I are both doing, looking at our own changes. So this is Maureen Metcalf, Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. Please connect with me either by email, info at innovateleader.com, on LinkedIn, Maureen Metcalf or on Facebook, Innovating Leadership. I encourage you to like us on whatever platform you listen to, give us a review, and send recommendations. And again, most of all, what you do matters right now. Deke has said kindness and compassion, working together to make the world that we are creating better going forward than it has as we look back. Let's take advantage of the terrible situations we're facing and find a way to make things better for all of us. Thank you again for your participation in our society. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then and have a great week.